You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? This is the FCS Fever Podcast. You're locked in. We turn up the heat on FCS football. Available wherever you get your podcasts. The FCS Fever Podcast, presented by Betfred Sports. Then part of the Aaron Torres media feed. I'm Chris Sylvester. Glad you're with us. Let's get into it. This is our Week 9 recap show. Another wild weekend of upsets, stunning finishes, and statement performances made across FCS football. Gambles were taken. Some paid off. Some didn't. We'll break down what we need to. We've got J.W. Cox, voice of Northern Iowa football, jumping on the show to talk about the Sneaky Panthers who pulled off an upset in a wild game at Southern Illinois this weekend. But before we dive into the fray, we'd again like to remind you the FCS Fever podcast presented by Betfred Sports. When you play in the Betfred Sportsbook, no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. The more you bet, the bigger the bonus. Here's the good news. They will be putting out lines for FCS football all season long as we dive into November where the contenders separate themselves from the pretenders and the playoff picture starts to take shape. You won't want to miss a chance to put your best bets down on the FCS teams that you want to ride with as you go into the postseason. Started in 1967 by Fred Dunn, Betfred is one of Europe's biggest sports books now in the U.S. They've hit the market in a big way. They're the official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, now the Cincinnati Bengals, currently licensed Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Louisiana, Washington, and soon Ohio. Sign up today. All you got to do, place a $50 bet this weekend, and Betfred will give you a bonus, $250 for betting. Hopefully we get some Northern Iowa fans tuning in, chiming in to FCS Fever, and you take advantage because you're in one of those Betfred states. And I can tell you from looking at props in other states, I think Betfred's going to be even bigger and be even more accessible elsewhere in the very near future. All right. I mean, where do we start? And and I know it's cliche to say that because I feel like the last few weeks we've come on the recap show and and we've asked that rhetorical question because it's just me. It's just me in a box here talking FCS football for the next half hour or so. But two of our top five hottest matchups of last weekend not only lived up to the hype, but they went above and beyond. You had scenarios where coaches were like, you know what? We're going for two. The game ends here. We win on this play or we lose on this play. And it's one of those games where as a fan of a team that makes a bold decision like that, you love them to pieces, right? When it works out, what a great call. What a great decision. What guts. What juice. But when it backfires, start to question. Why'd you do that? Why don't you trust the defense? Why not keep playing and see if the other side makes a mistake? Colonial football. I've been hyping it up since the jump. It has lived up to the hype. The game we dubbed as the top matchup of the week for week nine in the FCS, and it didn't disappoint. It was Rhode Island at William & Mary. Rhode Island jumped out to a 14-0 advantage in this game early second quarter. But you knew William & Mary 
wouldn't lie down at home. Team that had one loss all year. And in that one loss, they had an 18-point second-half lead that they squandered. They tied the game at the half, took a lead early third quarter. Rhode Island would punch back 21-21, going to the fourth. And I'm sitting there, and I'm following along, and admittedly not watching because it's on Flow Sports. And I'll say this. I don't like the CAA's deal with Flow Sports because you're putting everything behind a paywall. And I get ESPN Plus is behind a paywall, but it's a more than reasonable paywall. And I, I think you get more than what you pay for with all the access to all the games that you get, FCS, FBS, sometimes lower than that. But if there's a year where you're going to eat that fee of whatever it is, I think it's like 30 bucks a month, with Flow Sports, it's this year. Like, you might as well just get it for November because I, I got it. I, I bought in because the CAA is that good. 21-21 after the third, Rhode Island, William & Mary. William & Mary looked like they were going to run away with the game. They get a field goal. They get a touchdown. Seven minutes left. They're up ten points. Rhode Island kicks a field goal with 6.50 left. It's a touchdown game. William and Mary, they drive, they get hit with the penalty. It forces them back to midfield, so they got to give it back to Rhode Island. And Kaysom Hill, man, he worked his magic. All the way down to the seven-yard line with just a few ticks left on the clock. And down a touchdown on the road at William and Mary, Kaysom Hill hits Caleb Warren as time expires with a seven-yard touchdown pass. Now, Rhode Island, you remember the week prior at Monmouth, they played a marathon of a football game that went seven overtimes, and they got out of there with a 48-46 win. Prior to that, a touchdown win over Elon. They were playing really well, and I, I did pick William and Mary, but I did warn you that Rhode Island was playing its best football of the year. And their two losses against Delaware and on the road at FBS Pitt we're nothing to be ashamed of. No bad losses on the resume. And you thought, you know, Rhode Island, they went on the road seven overtimes at Monmouth and they got it done. Why don't they just test their luck with some more overtime at William & Mary? I mean, you got the momentum. William & Mary had squandered a 10-point fourth quarter lead. Kind of reminiscent to the second half lead that they squandered earlier in the season against Elon. But Rhode Island, they went for the jugular. Hill rolls to the left. Now roll, now it's checked back. And now going to be hit and dropped. William and Mary has won the ball game. Biggest defensive play of the year for William and Mary as the Tribe wins this ball game on the last play. Last play. Rhode Island goes for two. Isaiah Jones of William and Mary sacks Kasem Hill and puts the finishing touches on a Tribe victory. What a win for William and Mary. What a gutsy decision made by Rhode Island. And they fall 31-30. Rhode Island now 5-3. William and Mary now 7-1. That all but, I think, clinched a playoff spot for William and Mary. But you look at the road ahead for Rhode Island. And they can only afford one more loss. And I think they're in good shape. They host Maine this weekend. And they're off to New Hampshire. It's going to be a very tough game against the team that's 5-0 and in the CAA. And they close against Albany, who's just 2-6 and this year. Take care of your business in those home games. Give it your all at New Hampshire. Rhode Island, I think they're right on the bubble. Beating Elon is a really good win. Monmouth on the road, that's a good win. I know they lost against Towson this weekend. That five losses now pretty much out of it now is Monmouth. That's still a good win for Rhode Island. Look, a win at William & Mary would have gone a long way. You could still add to that resume if you could find a way to beat New Hampshire in a couple of weeks. Obviously, you can't slip up at home against Maine and Albany. But Rhode Island, real close. Couldn't get the job done at William & Mary. You flip the script. You look at what the Tribe have on the upcoming schedule. Games they'll be favored in. At least the next two at Hampton, hosting Villanova, and closing the regular season against Richmond. But man, that lived up to the hype. But I, I will admit, we did have that as our, our top, our hottest matchup of the week. I, I don't think it was the best game. I, I don't think it was the best finish. 
How can that be? Well, we did have this matchup in our top five. I'm talking about an absolute doozy, barn burner, star-studded clash in the Patriot League. Fordham at Holy Cross. Fordham at 6-1 and one going into the matchup with a lone loss, an FBS defeat, a close one at that against Ohio. Holy Cross undefeated, 7-0. and oh. Got the FBS signature win on the Hail Mary earlier in the season against Buffalo. Now, I picked Fordham. I didn't think Holy Cross could match Fordham punch for punch with what Fordham's offense led by Tim DeMorat can do. And, and for much of this game, I was grinning ear to ear thinking I was right because Fordham was up by three at the half, up by ten late in the third, up by a touchdown late in the fourth. It was a strange series of events, and I, I'm happy the Patriot League is accessible on ESPN Plus because I was able to watch pretty much all of this game. But Matthew Sluka throws a game-tying touchdown to Jalen Coker on a 15-yard pass with a minute and a half left. The officials go to the replay monitor. They look at a penalty that they called as the pass left the hand of Sluka to get to Jalen Coker in the end zone, and they determine that the penalty had happened after the ball was caught in the end zone. I don't know if I had ever seen anything like it in college football, but it's the Patriot League. Uh, there's a 15-yard penalty assessed after, so instead of applying that on the ensuing kickoff, and here's where I think Fordham mismanaged the end of this game. Instead of applying that 15 yards that you could have given to arguably the best quarterback in the FCS and Tim DeMorat, one of the best offenses in Fordham as that unit together, they put the 15-yard penalty on the point after try. A and I get it. You make things tougher. You miss that PAT. You recover an onside kick. The game's over. But he knocked it through. Derek Ng knocked it through. And that tied the game. And instead of starting, say, 35, 40-yard line, maybe a 20, 30-yard play or series away from putting yourself as Fordham in a position to win the game on a field goal, Instead, I, I think Tim DeMorad and company started at their own 20. A penalty pushed them back. They never even had a chance to get across the midfield stripe and into plus territory at the end of regulation. And they still had a minute and a half left. That's a lot of time for a really good offense. Fordham, one play in overtime. They strike Tim DeMorat to Dequeese Carter. Look, man, DeMorat was giving me Josh Allen vibes out there. He was great. He was awesome. I mean, he didn't put up the, the lofty numbers that he usually does. Only 256 passing yards, but he did throw for five touchdowns. And this is a, a really good Holy Cross defense that he made look not so good for much of the game. But then Holy Cross gets it. A much more methodical approach. They go seven plays, 25 yards. Sluka to Justin Shorter from nine yards out. And you know what? Holy Cross, they took a page out of Rhode Island's decision-making playbook. Sluka, hands, reverse, Ayurasante, gallops in, Holy Cross wins! A little reverse, a little trickery, and it pays off for Holy Cross. They go for two, Asante runs it in, and in overtime, they don't make you go for two until the second overtime, and then you go for two until the game's over, sudden death. But Holy Cross said, you know what? The game ends here. We trust that we have one more play from a few yards out to get it done and pretty much wrap the Patriot League in 2022, and they did. And shame on me for picking against them. I think Fordham had ample chances to kind of put this game away, whether it be the problems that they had on defense or mismanaging the clock late in the game, deciding what they decided to do on that penalty that we mentioned. But Holy Cross, still perfect. It's their second walk-off touchdown of the year. Remember, they beat Buffalo on that Hail Mary back in week two. And now the rest of the road appears clear for Holy Cross. They host Lehigh. They host Bryant. They go to Georgetown. I think they're going to finish undefeated. And if they do, with that win against Fordham, paired with that win over Buffalo, and honestly, you look at the rest of their schedule, there aren't many other resume wins on it. 
and there weren't many resume opportunities for Holy Cross on it. But in the couple of chances that they've had to make a statement, they've done it. And I think if Holy Cross wins these next three games and they finish 11-0, and I think they're absolutely deserving of a top eight seed and a bye in the first round of the FCS playoffs. We'll see how it shakes out, but that was a wild finish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As for Fordham, okay, Fordham is in a precarious spot now. They're sitting at 6-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the conference. They have that touchdown loss at Ohio paired with a one-point loss at Holy Cross. You look at the wins for Fordham. They beat Albany by three points. They beat Monmouth by three points. Those are two colonial wins, but those are two colonial teams that probably won't be in the postseason. I can almost guarantee they won't be in the postseason. I know Albany won't. Monmouth with five losses. I don't know how they find a way in. Obviously, Fordham can't slip up from here. They've got Bucknell on the road next. They host Lafayette, and then they host Colgate to wrap the regular season. This was Fordham's chance to pretty much slam dunk themselves into the postseason. And, and they just missed it. I think Fordham is deserving of the postseason. I think Tim DeMorat needs to be in the FCS playoffs. I just wonder if it comes down to two lost Fordham and four lost Montana, that's just a wild scenario, right? Who knows if that's going to happen. I think Fordham's got to be in, but there's so much parity in the FCS this year, you can't just slam dunk the Rams in as much as I think they would be an absolute treat to watch in the FCS playoffs. Elsewhere in the FCS, really good one. Eastern Kentucky on the road at SEMO. EKU, they've been kind of slipping up lately, and, and they got a big win. 28-23, they take down SEMO. SEMO handed their first FCS loss of the year, now sitting at 6-2 and two overall. This was a non-conference game, good non-conference resume-building game for both sides, and, and a game that EKU probably needed to have. Parker McKinney went bananas, 398 yards in the air, threw for a touchdown. Eastern Kentucky trailed 13-0 at the break, but Walt Wells got his guys together, and they put together a terrific second half. It's not going to be easy as you look at the rest of the slate for Eastern Kentucky, but I think they're in the driver's seat for a postseason spot now, sitting at 5-3. and three. Here are the losses at Eastern Michigan, an FBS loss. They've got the FBS win over Bowling Green, lost against Austin P. Uh, a team that's very much in contention for an FCS playoff spot, and then a loss against transitioning Sam Houston. But now you've got wins over Bowling Green, a win over Southeast Missouri State on the road, which isn't easy to do, and three more opportunities here for Eastern Kentucky. They'll host Central Arkansas this weekend. Then they go to Jacksonville State and Rich Rod. That's not going to be an easy game. Come back home to host Kennesaw State. If they could finish 2-1 and one here, I like a 7-4 and four Eastern Kentucky team to get into the FCS playoffs. On the other side for Southeast Missouri State, I'm not really worried about them. I, I think they're the most complete team in the OVC this year. I think they're even better than what I've seen from UT Martin for the most part. They've got Tennessee State on the road next that's followed by a game at Eastern Illinois and then Murray State. They're probably going to share the title outright with UT Martin. UT Martin, you look at their schedule as they just beat up on Houston Christian over the weekend. They've got Kennesaw State in a non-conference game coming up this weekend, followed by a road tilt at Tennessee State and then hosting Eastern Illinois. I think they're on a crash course to share that conference title. I think both are going to get in 
But I think Southeast Missouri State, if it did come down to it, they've got a better resume than UT Martin. There's just not enough spots. I mean, we talk about expansion of the CFP and the FBS. How about a little FCS playoff expansion with how crazy things have been this year? Jumping back to the CAA, this was a really good one. Delaware on the road at Elon. And Elon had dropped two straight. Uh, uncharacteristic of this Phoenix team that I thought was a borderline top 10 team just a few weeks ago. But not a good performance last time out at New Hampshire. Curious to see how they would bounce back. Delaware, on the other hand, their lone loss was by six points at William & Mary. And they were kind of in the same spot that Rhode Island found themselves in this past weekend where they were driving late. They were down six. They had a chance with a touchdown and an extra point to win the game. But unlike Rhode Island, they never got to the end zone. Delaware at 6-1 and one coming in. A chance to really make a statement, really solidify themselves in the top ten. They struck first early in the first quarter. But then Elon's defense went locked down, zero dark 30, and shut them out the rest of the game. How about 27 unanswered points from there for Elon that included a Skylar Davis 53-yard field goal. You want to talk about a weapon moving forward. You have a kicker that can nail it from that range, and you get into close games in the FCS playoffs when you have a defense like this, you have a quarterback like Matt McKay who threw for three touchdowns in this game. I think Elon's not only back, but Elon's dangerous. And Elon gets this win at a very good time for them. It would have been their fourth loss of the season if they didn't get it done. They're 4-2 and two now in the CAA, still in contention for the conference crown. 6-3 and three overall. They've got just two games left on the schedule. They're going to be heavy favorites. Their home finale this weekend against Albany. And then they go to Hampton to wrap the regular season. I'm looking at Elon at an 8-3 and three record. Not getting a top eight seed, but certainly getting a home game in the first round of the FCS playoffs. You flip the script, you look at the other side for Delaware, now sitting at 6-2, and 3-2 and two in the CAA. It's not going to be an easy road to the finish line. They've got Monmouth this weekend at home. Then they have Richmond at home the following weekend, followed by a trip to Villanova to wrap the regular season. So now they're going to need to win one of the three down the stretch. I think to, to slam dunk it, they're going to need to win two of the three. They've got good wins. The Navy win's really good at the jump. The Rhode Island win by 21 points on the road is a really good win. But from there, they've squandered opportunities at William & Mary and Elon to really solidify a resume dub. I think they got to get that resume dub against Richmond at home in a couple of weeks if they can take care of Monmouth this weekend. But the CAA's so good that you just can't overlook it. Look, right now, I think the CAA deserves six teams in the FCS playoffs. New Hampshire, William & Mary, Richmond, Elon, Delaware, Rhode Island. There's a chance a team or two out of that mix gets snubbed. But I don't think it's going to be William & Mary. I don't think it's going to be Elon. I don't think it's going to be Richmond. I think New Hampshire has to win the CAA to solidify themselves a spot in the FCS playoffs. And here's why. The Elon win is really good for them. But outside of that, they don't have anything else really on the resume that's worthy uh, of really wowing the FCS committee. Obviously, you just take care of business. You win the conference crown. It's no problem. But they got Richmond on the road this weekend. That's going to be arguably their toughest test of the season outside of a, an FBS game at Western Michigan earlier this year. And then they've got Rhode Island at home. That's not going to be easy. And then they wrap the year at Maine. But in the driver's seat right now with a 5-0 and conference record, they do not face William & Mary. So they do have a chance to share the title if they do fall once, does New Hampshire. We're going to be joined by their head coach, Santos, coming up on Thursday here on FCS Fever. Elsewhere in the FCS, in the SOCON, things get a little more interesting. Chattanooga, fresh off that super impressive 21-point victory over Mercer the week prior. They went to Furman, went to Greenville, South Carolina this weekend, and Furman picked up a much-needed victory. 24-20 over Chattanooga. Furman improves to 7-2. They drop the mocks to 6-2, hand them their first FCS loss of the year. Hutchinson struggled a little bit through two picks in the game. And look, we had a Lim Ford on the show earlier in the week. He did not play at Furman this weekend. And that was a big loss for Chattanooga. We hope Alim Ford can get back in the starting lineup quickly here for the mocks. We had him on the show last Thursday. We thought he was going to play. That was clearly a big loss as Chattanooga got held to just 84 rushing yards. They're not a team that wants to put it in the air as much as they had to. Hutchinson had to attempt 35 passes, and that limited Chattanooga's offense for the game to under 400 yards, which is uncharacteristic for that group. On the other side, Tyler Huff was solid. 
He threw for 203 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 132 yards and a touchdown. And now that SoCon picture is just a little bit messy towards the top. Furman, the lone undefeated at 5-0 and in the conference. But then you got Furman, Mercer, and Chattanooga all with one loss against conference competition. Furman now in a good spot at 7-2. and Their losses, Clemson, Samford. Those are not bad losses by any means. The Chattanooga win is really good on the resume. They go to Mercer in a couple of weeks. They could really use that resume booster not only to help them in the conference standings, but also to help their FCS playoff resume. Mercer, fresh off of a, a bye week, not a bye week, rather. Uh, they, they blew the door off of Virginia Military Institute. They've got a bye week before this matchup against Furman, which, which could decide a lot in the SOCON this year. Samford at 5-0 and in the conference. They beat up on the Citadel on the road this weekend, 38-3. They've got VMI at home, Chattanooga on the road, and Mercer at home to wrap the regular season. So after VMI this weekend, I think Samford, things are really going to be decided. They're going to be sent in one direction or the other as they go to Chattanooga, and then they host Mercer the final two weeks of the regular season. If that's a precursor to the playoffs, Samford could be seeing tougher teams the final two weeks of the regular season than they see in the opening round of the FCS playoffs should they get there. Another good non-conference tilt was in Grand Forks this weekend. Abilene Christian trying to keep those at-large hopes alive, trying to add a big resume win on the road at North Dakota. And I had a feeling this was going to be a great game. The line was set towards uh, 10 or something like that. And I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. 11 and a half was actually the closing line for this game. And Abilene Christian struck first. They were up 14-10 midway through the second quarter. Then they had to kind of dig themselves out of a hole. It was 27-24 North Dakota going to the fourth before Tyler Hoosman ran in the touchdown to put up UND by 10 points with about 10 minutes left. Abilene Christian would chip away. They'd get it back to a field goal game but couldn't get it done. North Dakota, they absolutely needed it. Here's why North Dakota absolutely needed this victory. You look at the road ahead for North Dakota. They've got Indiana State on the road. South Dakota at home, and then North Dakota State on the road. This would have been their fourth loss of the season, and that would have forced them to run the table the rest of the way. Now North Dakota, they can afford a loss, and I think still get into the FCS playoffs. Let's check that resume. That Northern Iowa win is looking better. We're going to break down Northern Iowa here in just a moment at Northern Arizona. A big sky win on the road, albeit against a team towards the bottom of the conference. They blow out Missouri State. That doesn't look as good as it did at the time, but now a win over Abilene Christian, I think, is a really good resume W. I think a win at Young Youngstown State was good. I think competing as well as they did for much of the game against South Dakota State will, will certainly weigh on the committee. Nebraska, that was a good performance, remember, through three quarters way back in week one. Certainly need to snag two of these next three, and to slam dunk it, you need all three. I don't know if uh, anybody's expecting them to go to North Dakota State and win, but I think they've got the group that could certainly do it. Speaking of North Dakota State, and you talk about the Bison coming off of the bye week, it was 7-7 after one quarter, 10-7 at the half. NDSU led Illinois State. Illinois State's not a bad football team. They're 5-3 and three now, even after the loss this weekend, 3-2 and two in the Missouri Valley. They've got one of the better defenses in the Valley this year, but still just, just not what you would expect from North Dakota State. Cam Miller, 20-30, 174 yards and a touchdown. NDSU, 192 rushing yards. Kobe Johnson led the way. Hunter Lepke, just three carries in this game. North Dakota State still trying to figure some things out, still trying to find an identity for that offense. It's a good win for the Bison. It's not a resounding win for the Bison. And I don't know when they'll be tested again because they go to Western Illinois this weekend and then they go to Southern Illinois the following weekend. Southern Illinois, they find themselves in a very precarious spot now. And we're going to break down that game with J.W. Cox, voice of Northern Iowa, here in just a moment. But Southern Illinois might need to win that game at home against North Dakota State. And I think Southern Illinois, they've got the dogs. They've got the Salukis, so to speak, to be able to kind of get that done and potentially uh, put themselves in the FCS playoffs with a win a couple of weeks from now against North Dakota State. Certainly a lot to get to before we get there. In the big sky, before we circle back to the Missouri Valley and, and slam dunk our coverage here on FCS Fever, there were some good matchups. And we had a couple of top five matchups dubbed for the Big Sky Conference this past weekend. I'm talking about Montana heading on the road to Weber State. Lucas Johnson's status up in the air. Remember, he was knocked out against Sacramento State in that heartbreaking overtime loss the week prior, and he was not available. Christopher Brown got the start at quarterback, and Montana looked really good through early portions of this game. It was 10-10 at the half. Montana took a 13-10 lead early in the third quarter. 
but Ty McPherson, Bronson Barron on the same page when they absolutely needed to be. 70-yard touchdown pass late in the third, but Weber stayed up for good. They added another score in the fourth. Hope you didn't take the points here with Weber State, though, because Weber up 11 with inside of six minutes left, and Malik Flowers from Montana returns a kickoff 100 yards. They go for two. They get it. And it's a three-point win for Weber State. Montana, don't look now. The Grizz have lost three straight. They're five and three overall. They're two and three in the big sky. They're behind five teams in the big sky standings. And they've got Cal Poly Eastern Washington coming in next. Those are two games they're going to win. But then they go to Montana State for the brawl of the wild. And Montana State will likely be favored going into that game. I think it's going to be a winnable game if Montana's healthy. I think Montana's had a great game plan the last couple of weeks. They've just been a little undermanned against teams like Sacramento State and Weber State. And here's where that Idaho loss really hurts because we, we kind of compared it, we kind of teased it earlier to Fordham and that resume with a, a, a dynamic offense there, a close FBS loss along with a one-point loss against a, a potentially top eight seed in Holy Cross. I, if I had to compare the two resumes, right, Montana's the bigger brand, the NCAA, they like to give love to the bigger brands. I completely understand that. But I'm looking up and down this resume for the Grizz. And if your best win is South Dakota at home, I, I don't know how you can get into the FCS playoffs, even with a 7-4 and four record, even coming out of the big sky, even having a brand like Montana. Because l the losses aren't bad. Okay, Idaho's not a bad loss. We figured that out. Sac State on the road is not a bad loss. Weber State on the road is not a bad loss. And look, they were very competitive in these games. They lost by a touchdown against Idaho, a touchdown in overtime at Sac State, undermanned by a field goal at Weber State this past weekend. But I'm going to say Montana needs to finish 3-0. and They need to win three straight off the heels of this three-game losing streak to assure themselves a spot in the postseason. Because I don't know how you can let in a team whose best win is a home game back in week two against South Dakota. Because that would be the case if Montana wins these next two weeks against Cal Poly and Eastern Washington and loses the brawl of the wild game against Montana State. South Dakota's 2-6 and six this year. Yes, they got the win against Southern Illinois a couple weeks ago. Their other win is Cal Poly at home back in September. Montana's in a tough spot moving forward. They're a really good football team. They're a really good football team, really well coached, really good defense. Resume matters. Brand matters. But I think resume matters a little bit more when you look at the FCS playoffs. Speaking of resume, Sac State, somehow they <laughs> stayed undefeated. They pulled it out against Idaho. And I want to tip my cap to Idaho here because the Vandals were like two touchdown dogs in this game. And for a minute, it, it looked like Sac State – not only were they going to win the game and roll, but probably win the game and cover. Sac stayed up 24-7 early third quarter, and then Idaho makes a mad dash at the Hornets. Giovanni McCoy is going to be a name to watch for years to come. Just a freshman, the outstanding quarterback from Idaho, leads them on three straight scoring drives, and it's Idaho inside of six minutes with a 28-24 lead and a chance to hand Sac State their first loss of the season. Remember, Idaho coming into this game did not have an FCS loss. But Sac State, they found some more late-game magic at home. 13-play, 75-yard drive capped with an Asher O'Hara. You guessed it, two-yard touchdown run. A sight all too familiar and all too disgusting to Montana fans the week before. And Sac State stays perfect, 8-0, 5-0 in the conference, headed to Weber State for just a monster of a game. I don't know how we're not going to put it atop the FCS Fever top five hottest matchups coming up this weekend. But Sac State, they survived. Giovanni McCoy for Idaho, three touchdown throws, 207 yards through the air. Elisha Cummings, 62 yards on the ground to lead the rushing attack for Idaho. Idaho's in a good spot, I think, despite this loss. You look at what they have the rest of the way. Idaho has Eastern Washington coming to town next. Eastern Washington's not good. They just lost to Portland State. That should be a resounding win, I think, for Idaho. Then a game that I think could, I don't want to say make or break, because I, I think Idaho's done enough to this point. I mean, we'll see. But a game that could maybe 
decide a playoff spot in the big sky. Because UC Davis, after that 1-4 and four start, a lot of people just stopped thinking about them. And they haven't necessarily beaten anybody since the 1-4 and four start that should really raise your eyebrows. But look at the way they've won their last three games. 56-27 over Northern Arizona. 58-10 over Northern Colorado. 59-17 over Cal Poly. They opened the season with an FBS loss at Cal. They lost by two at South Dakota State. They lost by five at Weber State. And then they lost by a few touchdowns at Montana State. No bad losses, but again, where are you going to get the good wins? And for UC Davis already at four losses, they have to run the table. And here's the gauntlet they're up against. Yes, they get Idaho State at home this weekend. Then they go to Idaho. And if they could find a way to get it home, uh, get it done on the road at Idaho away from home, it sets up a, a terrific regular season finale with UC Davis at Sac State. And I wouldn't put it past Dan Hawkins and company finding a way to win that football game. As for Sac State, a team that didn't trail its first six games of the season and a team that I was ready to put at number one in the country, a team that I thought looked better than anybody else in the FCS. And I, I think I have them slotted in, in my own mental poll, if you will, behind South Dakota State. But Sac State, that we've seen some holes. We've seen some flaws these last couple of weeks, maybe in large part to the competition, but things we didn't really see or worry about the first six games of the season. I'm not really talking about defense, not really worried about Sac State's defense. I know they led Idaho three straight scoring drives in that second half. Idaho's got a good offense. We know that. But I'm talking about this 2QB system. I think the key for Sac State moving forward is more O'Hara and less Jake Dunaway. Dunaway in this game, 6-17, 81 yards, a touchdown, two picks. Dunaway has been giving away the football a little bit too much lately. 14 tubs, but nine picks. And you look at the recent game log from the last five, two picks against Idaho. He threw three picks against Montana. He threw two picks against Eastern Washington. Threw a pick against Cal Poly. He's thrown seven picks in his last five games. Turning over the football, not going to help you run deep into the FCS playoffs. And I get it. Dunaway a more established passer than Asher O'Hara. But Asher O'Hara is more than a running quarterback. He runs for 129 yards in this game. But when he's been asked to throw the football, 40 of 53, he's completed 75% of his passes for 346 yards and five touchdowns. Last season, he threw for 899 yards, seven touchdowns, three picks, 61% completion rate. In the FBS, at Middle Tennessee State, he threw for over 2,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, eight picks in 2019. Shortened season 2020, 1,960 yards, 66% completion rate, 12 touchdowns, eight picks. The key for Sac State, and I'm not saying to, to, to bench Dunaway, but I think the, the key for Sac State is more O'Hara and less Dunaway as we dive deeper into the season. All right. We promised we'd get around to it. We finally did. We kind of wrapped what we needed to do around the FCS, and it was a wild one. We talk about games of the week. You talk about these one-point finishes, William and Mary, Holy Cross Fordham. Well, how about out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference with Northern Iowa at four losses fighting for their slim-to-none playoff hopes, right? At least that's what we thought the last couple weeks. They go to Southern Illinois, and you thought the Salukis – might be itching to find a way back in the win column after a disappointing performance the week prior against South Dakota. Boy, this was a really good one in Missouri Valley country over the weekend. J.W. Cox joins us next. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, J.W. Cox is with us. He's the voice of the Northern Iowa Panthers. Fresh off a big win in Missouri Valley football country against Southern Illinois, 37-36. Came down to the wire. Came down to the final possession. But the Panthers hold on. They keep those playoff hopes alive, sitting at 5-4 and four overall. Now 4-2, third place in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. JW, thanks for taking some time. Uh, not many saw this coming. Southern Illinois, a very accomplished bunch this year. I know they had lost the previous week to South Dakota. But, but how did Northern Iowa go on the road and, and beat the Salukis at their home stadium? Well, I mean, I know I'd love to talk about balance and that it was just a complete team effort, Chris, but uh, it came down to the offense getting off to the start that they did. Each phase of the game made, had to make some plays to get a win on the road, as anybody will tell you. But the way that Theo Day and that offense started in the first half, scoring touchdowns on their first four drives, that made sure that the Panthers were playing from ahead when you knew that a good team in Southern Illinois was going to make a run in the second half. And boy, did they uh, taking a lead there. Panthers took it back with less than six minutes to go and then were able to hang on in a crazy six minutes to get a win. But this team right now, they're making enough plays on defense. They've made a lot of strides on special teams. But all season long, we've seen the maturation process of this offense as a whole, and it's been led by Theo Day at the quarterback spot. He put him in a, such a great position to get it done. And then the fifth touchdown pass that he threw was the turned out to be the game winner, uh, taking it down after all the momentum had been seized by the Salukis, went down, scored a touchdown, second one for Desmond Hudson, the transfer out of Iowa. So it's uh, it, it was a, a big-time team win, but that offense certainly is what set the tone. Yeah, Theo Day, talk about having a day. 27-32, to 32, he throws for – 330 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, takes care of the football. That's always important when you're going up against a ranked opponent on the road. Southern Illinois, it's kind of hard to diagnose Southern Illinois, right? I mean, they started 0-2, and then they went on this big five-game winning streak. Now they've lost two straight, and they've got to take care of North Dakota State in the month of November, seemingly, to get into the FCS playoffs. So not always a slam dunk that you're out of it with five losses. And we saw that with Northern Iowa last year. Uh, Northern Iowa, they went 4-4 four and four in the conference last season. They finished at 6-5 and five in the regular season. They did get sent to Cheney to take on Eastern Washington in the first round of the FCS playoffs. But you compare the resume from a season ago to this one, and, and there aren't the signature wins because last year you had the win at Sac State, the win at South Dakota State. You beat Southern Illinois just as you did this year. It, it feels like that Southern Illinois victory is the first resume win, and I, I know Northern Iowa would love to go back in time because you, you're sitting there and you're looking at the win-loss column, and there are two two-point losses, one at North Dakota, a win that would have gone a long way on an FCS resume, and then a two-point loss against an Illinois State team that I think is a lot better than people expected here in 2022. What's the consensus around the Panthers program right now as you head into these final two games of the regular season with a 5-4 and four overall record but a 4-2 and two mark against Missouri Valley competition? Well, I'll start with my first thought, and, and man alive, this is just me talking, but man alive, I want this team now as they're playing to be able to go back and play those two games that you mentioned against Sac State and against North Dakota. That's not how it works. Everybody for every team can sit there and say that, but this team has gotten so much better, Chris, since those games. It was so early out of the gates. They still haven't had a bye week. They had a tough schedule out of the gates. They played a tough team in Air Force that plays a funky offense. There were so many things going into that, but this team is so much better now, but when you talk about the consensus around here, it's pretty simple 
people, you have the quality win still out there in front of you. Yes, maybe South Dakota at the end of the year isn't quite the win that people thought it might be going into the year. The, the, the Yotes have struggled a little bit themselves, but it's always a tough place to win in the Dakota Dome going to Vermilion. And then obviously this coming week, having number one in the nation come here. So that to me is the consensus. It's you go out and you take care of business, try to come and take a, a potential bid from the Panthers if they end up at 7-4 and four, because that will mean a win at rank Southern Illinois. It would mean a win in here against number one South Dakota State, and it would mean a, a tough road Missouri Valley win on the road at South Dakota. Yeah, no, no question about that. J.W. Cox joining us. He's the Northern Iowa play-by-play -play voice, especially when you, when you look at the possibility, and obviously it's a massive if, right? I mean, you can't assume yeah. that Northern Iowa is going to beat South Dakota State this week. That being said, uh, Northern Iowa, their best chance to beat South Dakota State is in the Unidome, and that's happening this yep. weekend. It'll be at uh, 4 o'clock, or rather 5 o'clock Eastern, and it'll be South Dakota State, the top-ranked team in the country, facing off against Northern Iowa. As you look ahead to that matchup, I mean, obviously, Northern Iowa, they're playing their best football of the season right now. They start 0-3, but they've won 5 of 6 since. The lone blemish, that two-point loss against Illinois State. Uh, you know, w when Northern Iowa had this stretch of five straight home games I, I really felt like that was going to be the stretch where they uh, kind of figured out the season or should I say four straight home games you had five or yep. six at home with that uh, lone road game at Western Illinois but after that Illinois State loss you know mentally I, I kind of buried Northern Iowa I, I, I thought they were kind of done for the year they bounced back with the win over Utah Tech and then they blow out Missouri State they put an end to their playoff hopes and then they get the road win at Southern Illinois what what's changed is it just been the, the strength of schedule has it been better defense better offense like, what's changed from the 0-3 start to this stretch for Northern Iowa where they've won five of six the defense, Chris, has definitely gotten better and taken strides. This is a defense that comes in with so much talent, and yet there were new coaches in different places, new players taking on slightly different roles at times, and so it took a little bit of time to gel. Coach Farley would say that. The coaching staff would say that. took a little time to kind of get a rhythm on defense, but so many good playmakers out there, you know what would happen. So they've had the time to get – into a good rhythm defensively and certainly the defense has been much better uh over the last couple of weeks i mean yeah you look you give up 36 points to southern illinois but that is an incredibly good offensive team there they've always got a good offensive scheme and a good offensive plan and the panthers got some big stops when they needed to so that's the first thing but then as a team it's just consistency you look at those games illinois state in particular played a close one to start that home stretch against indiana state who's played a couple of teams pretty close a couple of really good teams close uh, and then pesky and the reason those were close, the reason they lose to Illinois State and, and, and really go back certainly to Sac State and North Dakota, just inconsistencies. You look at that Sac State box score and they've gone on to do all the things that they are. And they're legitimately a, a national title contender in my mind, having seen them in person and seen what they've done since then. But the Panthers were the better team for three of the four quarters. But Sac State exploded as they do for a second quarter for 17 points and was able to pull away. The Panthers won the other three. So it was that inconsistency piece, certainly at North Dakota, home against Sac State and in that Illinois State game uh, that definitely hurt them. And putting four quarters together, I still don't think they've played their best four-quarter game at this point. But they've played more consistently against Missouri State, jumping out to the big lead, against Southern Illinois, again, jumping out, getting ahead by a couple of scores going into the second half. So they've found some consistency, the scoring early, and the offense just continues to get better each and every week. There's so many receivers making impact on this team. Yes, Theo Day's got to get there. He's got an arm that goes sideline to sideline, and it is a special talent, and he's got a lot of talent around him on those skill positions. So there's a lot of credit to go around for going winning five of six games, uh, but, but really the biggest thing that's the difference that I see is just that consistency piece for this team game to game. We mentioned it. South Dakota State is next, and it really feels like if Northern Iowa can somehow, someway find a way to be ahead after 60 minutes against, North, uh, against South Dakota State this weekend, that they're going to be in a great spot moving forward to extend their season beyond the regular year. That being said, South Dakota State uh, currently, they look as good as they have in recent memory. They're 6-0 in the conference. They're 8-1 overall. Obviously, they got past North Dakota State with a big comeback win a few weeks ago. And then they had to come back at North Dakota. So playing in domes, obviously nothing new for this South Dakota State bunch. But Northern Iowa, they found a way in Brookings last year to beat a very talented South Dakota State team with Jason Eck as the offensive coordinator. There's been a coordinator change there with him taking the job at Idaho. But South Dakota State, their offense is getting better week by week. And it looks like they're defense is as good as it's been under coach Stig in his more than 25 years at 
the helm of the program. W what do you sense is the recipe to success and the recipe to pulling off the upset over number one this weekend? Well, I think that Panther defense, Chris, has to take another step forward. And uh, they were trading points basically early on. I think last week both teams scored on each of their first two possessions it was before the Panthers got a stop. I don't think you want to get into that type of game because that defense on the other side for South Dakota State, they're going to be the ones that are likely to find a way uh, to stop even a high-flying uh, offense like the Panthers. This will be the best defense, I think, as a team that the Panthers will have had to face really all year. I mean, certainly at the FCS. I, I mean, Air Force was obviously pretty good there on that side of the ball all the way back in the FBS matchup. But on the FCS side, just the way the schedule is broken down, South Dakota State is obviously going to bring in the best defense to test this Panther offense. But – Bodie Reader, he was at Eastern Washington and led that team to the, as the offensive coordinator, led that team to a championship game. He knows how to how to scheme and make those plans, and along with co-offensive coordinator Ryan Clanton, who's got a third straight offensive lineman of the week this week uh, for the Panthers, getting that award from the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So they're going to have a plan to come in, and it comes down to that execution for Theo Day, the protection along the offensive line, and finding ways against that best defense that they've faced so far to still go out there and put up those yards and put up those points, move the ball down the field, keep the defense as fresh as possible. Well, don't count them out. Northern Iowa, they Not are playing all. their best football of the season right now. Panthers fresh off the upset win at Southern Illinois. We'll see if they can carry that momentum back to the Unidome. They will need it as top-ranked South Dakota State comes to town this weekend. J.W. Cox joining us on FCS Fever. Thanks so much for your time. Where can FCS fans follow you on social media and keep up with the Panthers run? Yeah, find me at, at J. Wendell, J-W-I-N-D-E-L-L, -L, at J. Wendell on Twitter. You get your links to the games and uh, have a listen to us live and some of the highlights as well. You should check out the, the highlight that the uh, football team put together too out there on Twitter from that win uh, with the last moments and, and the pause and waiting for the official to make the official call on that ball that came up short of the goal line. Uh, that was good stuff done by our video department here. So check that out as well. Lots of fun that we're having. That's the big thing. Panthers are having fun now, piling up some wins and hopefully get a big one this week. Hey, J.W., if you and I are talking here on FCS Fever in a few weeks, that means the Panthers are in the playoffs. Yeah. So best of luck to you guys moving forward, and thanks so much for your time. You too, Chris. Thank you. All right, special thanks to our guest, J.W. Cox from Northern Iowa. Panthers, we'll see if they can keep it rolling. We'll preview that game and a whole lot more coming up on Thursday with our Week 10 preview show, first weekend of the month of November. We'll start to really dive into what the FCS playoffs might look like. You've been listening to the FCS Fever Podcast, presented by Betfred Sports right here on the Aaron Torres Media Feed. I'm Chris Sylvester. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.